New Black Nation, your political digest with a Black conservative twist. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of New Black Nation podcast. I'm Brandon Wang. Gregory Victorin. And we are here to bring you another fun-filled episode talking about the wonderful social discourse that we see in America today um, and kind of how it relates to the Black community and, you know, what we can actually do. I mean, and just as a, a reminder for all of our, our listeners that may have, be tuning in later on um, or just tuning in from this segment, um, our first season really focused on um, bringing up some of the issues um, and season two, which is the season we're currently in, is really kind of more geared and focused onto actual physical actions that can be taken place um, to make some real change, um, not just theoretically, but physically make change in, in the environment that we live in today. Um, and on today's topic, we're going to broach again our topic on racism. Obviously, it's a very big, um, loaded word, especially um, in today's America. And it has a lot of usage forms um, that it originally didn't have, right? Um, but we definitely want to talk about that a little bit more and talk about, you know, how we feel about racism in general. Um, do we think um, people have diluted the term racism because of how much they throw it around. And just in general, how does that affect us as a community and the American population on a whole? Um, so as we always start out the episodes, always bring a wonderful kind of startup question to Greg and have him answer. And then we start debating about it. So Greg, I will pose to you today. How do you personally feel um, about racism and racism today? And how do you think it actually affects um, people on both sides of the argument, both Black people and everyone else? Well, if we're looking, if we're looking at actually what's going on in the political world today, um, the divide that they have is unprecedented because what's happening, anyone with a, you know, common sense can see clearly um, the word is being overused for every and any little issues. And it's not to bring solution, it's to cause more division for political gain. So <clears throat> you look at what's going on today. If any, I, I believe in California, um, two police officers sitting in their car, uh, minding their own business. Someone pulled up in a gun and shot both of them. And now they're in the hospital fighting for their life. Because those two people were officers, you have people that's blocking the responders for bringing them to the hospital, screaming, let them die, let the pigs die, this and that. And you have, you know, them awarding the shooter, praising the shooter. And because he killed 
two white cops, or he attempt to kill two white cops. And you have, in the other hand, if a white person defend themselves um, from a black person and kill that person, then they label him a supremacist or a racist without getting the facts and the truth together. So we are being used with this word and because the word for a lot of people is hurtful and it triggers a lot of um, back memories or, you know, um, it bring you back to certain histories or when things that you witness yourself, either at the job and other places, emotionally, you already damage. And every time that you hear the word and every time that, you know, someone says something or that person is racist because they did this, this and that, you don't think about, you know, what causes the person to do this, this, and that? You just react because the word triggers you to react. And that's what's happening to our community right now. The word is being used to trigger our communities and to cause them to do things that are not right. Hmm. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I just, you know, and, and, and it's, it's triggering in, in our attempt to really, and what I always find interesting about racism in general is that we have this like attempt to, in, in our attempt to kind of make people less racist, we end up doing things that are extremely racist, right? And that is just the kind of irony of this whole situation about what's going on there. Like in actuality, we're saying we're trying to become a more, you know, peaceful society. But in reality, we just get more and more divided. And, you know, as you've alluded to with the police um, killings and, you know, killing a, a police officer because they're white, you know, and, you know, perception of police officers killing black people just simply because they're black, you know, it's it gets us into this really weird kind of territory where, um, you know, we don't know our right from our left and, you know, both figuratively and like, and literally, you know, and we're trying to find out what the solution is. Um, but what I would ask, and, you know, just to follow up on that is that, you know, so like, what would you say, like, what would you, if, if I were to tell you to come up with the next edition of the Webster Merriam term for racism, what would you, what would you make it? Like, what would the definition of racism be in, in your sense? <laughs> well, it could be a lot of things, <laughs> but. But if you had to make a, a, a solid definition for it, well, it's hard to say, right? Because we have people on both sides, um, you know, that all races, like Donald Trump say, and a lot of people think that it's a bad word, but it's actually the truth. You have people on, on both sides that are good people. <laughs> it's just the fact. 
you have good cops, they go out there trying to do their job to feed their family and trying to be decent, you know, people. And you also have cops that, you know, they're breaking the law because they have, you know, the blue uniform on and they have the support of the government behind them. And it's the same thing, you know, um, for the movements. You have people out there, they want to protest peacefully. And at the same time, you have other groups that their agenda is to use the opportunity to push their propaganda. So me personally, if I was in a position, um, you know, to make a difference, to make a difference, um, I don't care who you are and what you are and what your position are, as long you're in national television promoting racism in our young youth and causing them to commit crime and hurting other people and themselves, that particular person or news network or whatever group they are, I would uh, prosecute them to the full extension of the law. Because they are the problem. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But then we can't shy away from our our definition of racism. No, <laughs> because I I know it's a difficult I know it's a difficult subject, but I think it really it really would do a service, I think, to the people to really fully and truly like kind of have a serious definition of what, what we think it is. Like, you know, is racism, you know, just an extreme hatred for a particular group or do we really go with the, there are so many nuances, and you know, because someone, you know, says maybe like a blanket statement that basically assumes or makes an assumption about a group of people, um, then we consider that racist, you know, or yeah. if somebody prefer, prefers to date a particular race, then does that make them racist? You know, there's so many different nuances there that we can, we have to look at. Like, you know, I personally feel like racism is something that is a very extreme term and should be only used in very particular circumstances like someone who supports the kkk and truly in their heart or heart of hearts is racist to uh, racist to a particular group or everyone that's not white um and perhaps someone who maliciously you know makes an attempt or goes out of their way to make an attempt to stop someone from getting an opportunity solely on the basis of their skin and their assumption of that person before getting to actually know that person like but it's it physically affects them in their in their lives like um i think it just has to be something really extreme like it has to be like you specifically hate this group um and you are animately going out of your way to ensure that this group has a very hard time you see, what what you just say here, the last thing, is something that I experienced um, in my job that I'm currently in right now. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, 
you know, um, my lawyer filed last Thursday. Um, it's not something that I'm, I'm allowed to talk about. And the reason why I'm not going to mention uh, the company's name and every, you know, party's name is because of, you know, I'm not supposed to right now. But, you know, here's what I have to do. You see exactly what you just say about someone that's going out of your way, out of their way to stop you from promoting, trying to remove you from your position because of your skin color, this and that. It happened to me at the job. And let me tell you, I heard of racism. I never experienced racism till recently, right? Um, and I know what goes on in the mind of people that face it because it's a sense of pride also. Someone is attacking you and they're taking a piece of you out of you and taking it with them. And the channels that they put in place for you to report those behaviors, everyone ignores you. So now you become depressed. You become, um, you know, um, mentally um, um, challenged. So what I had to do, thanks God, I had some good people around me that make me recognize what was going on and make me realize, you, you know, you need to report these things regardless if they listen to you or not. And if they don't, you have to get the law involved. See, in the workplace, because of the law that's in place, if the job or the HR people that they put in place, in which, it, um, and I want to put this out there clearly, a lot of people believe HR is there to protect the workers. Uh, no, HR is really there to protect the company, not the workers. And I learned that the hard way. So because of the law, I was able to go outside of the law. I mean, outside of the um, job to the law to get some kind of, you know, um, you know, restitution. Yeah, taken. But unfortunately, right, when you're looking at what's going on out there, right, you're not allowed to speak your mind without it being racist. You're just not. You're not allowed to have an opinion. If your opinion doesn't match the next person, they could call you racist. And it, it brings back to what you, you, um, you said earlier, you know, we cannot use it for every little thing. They have to have real meaning to it. What I experienced was racist. Someone from the KKK or um, from the um, 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 other um, hit group that you know their whole purpose is to attack different group of people because of their belief, because of what they choose to wear or whatever their skin colors are, or, you know. Their perception of them. Yeah. AKA Black Lives Matter. You understand these things are very hateful <laughs> because you're targeting them and you, you you know you're targeting them 
And that's what you set out to do. And that's what you do. So your conscience of what you're doing versus us out there, you know, just saying stuff or just talking. And now we're finding out that, you know, you're not allowed to have a mind of your own. Your mind right now is being controlled. You're not allowed to have any thought on your own. And it's dangerous. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, it is very dangerous and it, it and it's it, it really strikes a blow at, you know, freedom, you know, and I know everybody's gonna say, Oh great, here we go again. Here's the conservative going with the conservative talking point. But again, it's a reality. You know, when you're stopping people, like I get it. If you wanna stop people from doing hateful things or telling people to go out and like kill people from the group you know i totally get all of that you know you don't want to cause any harm in that way but when you're saying something like you want that you think that there should be immigration control and that you want people to come into the country legally you know you shouldn't have to be marked as a racist because you say that because number one that talks about everyone in general like it's not just a specific group of people you know, it's saying in general, well, it's a specific group of people, aka immigrants, but you want immigrants to come in legally. You know, you're not saying like, it's not like racist, right? Because you're not saying, you know, because that applies to everyone, Black, Latino, White, Asian, everyone, you know, and you should not be labeled simply for saying something like that. You should not be labeled a racist because you say all lives matter. Um, because all lives do matter. And if people really care about that, then they should, you know, they should be able to be, be you know, be in that way or say that or feel that way. Um, you shouldn't be labeled a racist if you are saying, you know, people should be judged on the content of their character and not, you know, what district they came from or what the color of their skin is, you know, because at one point that was considered very progressive thought. You know, it was very liberal to say, you know, yes, let's judge people by the content of our character. And now today that same statement would label you pretty much a racist, you right. know, because <laughs> you are completely insensitive. You're a silly racist conservative because you're saying that people should be able to get into the places that they qualify to get into. And there's, and I, I just don't see anything wrong with the, a lot of a, a lot of these things. You see, these are basic policy positions. It's not a racist, you know, KKK meeting. It's not somebody gallivanting everyone together and saying, "Let's go burn crosses on black people's lawns or Latinos' lawns," you know, that come in illegally or something. Nobody's saying that. We're just saying that there needs to be some realistic expectation, for, you know, for the security of our country and the integrity and meritocracy in our country. You see, uh, Black Lives Matter, it, it only matters if you are liberal. <laughs> yeah, if you're a conservative, they don't give a fuck about it. Yeah, because <laughs> check it out. You have white people that are liberal at attacking black conservatives, but nobody's talking about it. So yeah. you watch the, uh, um, there was um, uh, the view 
um, the young woman that's running for um, Congress and um, yeah, Klasik, yeah. Did, did, did you see that episode? How- I saw I saw the episode on the View. Yeah, when they like really, Ooh. you know, ripped her a new, you know what? Yeah, she was just was very crazy. professional about it, and I love her response. You know, she played it off well, but yeah, she was set up from the very beginning. But that was vicious. It was very vicious. There was no, there was no need for all that. There was no call for it. You know, uh, and the way Joyce asked the question, it was very disrespectful. You know, and this was a black young woman, and you have a white woman talking to her like that, and nobody says nothing, and you have the Hispanic woman defending Joy, or you know, saying, "Oh, she have the the support of the black community." She had the support of the black community to disrespect a black woman. Like, what are yeah. we saying here? Like, you know, what is what is really going on? Because the argument doesn't make any sense. You understand? It's like right. She's literally sitting there. You know, basically the entire interview was about Donald Trump and nothing was about what she wanted to do for Baltimore. So it's like, and that's another thing that you look at. I mean, obviously in this scenario, this isn't racist because, you know, it's just discrimination based on your political affiliation, Yes, you know, and just for the simple fact that she politically aligned herself with Donald Trump saying, you know, we're in the same party. I'm going to support the person that's the leader of our party, you know, and, you know, but she is her own person. Kim Classic is, it's Kim Classic. She is like, you know, she has her own vision. She has her own mission for Baltimore. She has a very noble purpose and a noble mission for what she wants to do. She specifically wants to get into the black community and change things and make sure that she optimizes opportunity zones that Donald Trump put out, you know, to really give advantages to people who have been dying under democratic leadership for 50 plus years in Baltimore. She wants to clean up the city, get better trash um, management in Baltimore, you know, she's, she's a really great candidate and she really cares about Baltimore and is a member of the community in Baltimore. Unlike a lot of people who decide to run for office, she knows her community. She knows the people who are there. And she legitimately wants to help the people who are there. And they completely washed her off, you know, in a very vicious way, as you said. She spent years working with women in that community to help them find jobs, to help them um, come out of violence situation. You know, it's not someone that, to us, she's new because she's just now come um, to the public light. But behind closed door, she was doing, she was putting in work. It's not like she came from a rich family and she's just running for office. No, she has been putting in work. She has been working in those communities. And to your point, every time that they interview someone from the conservative side, they never question them about their views, about what they want to do or what they want to bring to the table. They just attach Donald Trump to them as if they have the same thought with Donald Trump. She don't get paid by the Trump administration. She don't get paid by the White House. She's, she's trying to, you know, to put her name out there and trying to bring something different to the community. And because of that, she's trying to do, she's a threat. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's the major point that 
you're kind of alluding to there. She's a threat, right? Because she actually has sound policy, right? She actually has a vision, you know, unlike everything that, well, I should say an implementable um, vision, you know, because Democrats have a ton of visions and plans, but, you know, it, it, they never realistically come out, right? You know, so it's just like, you know, it, it stings. And, and the, the fact of her argument, the base of her argument is so absolutely true. Like, and it's just, it's so hard for you. Like, there's no way they can get around that because it is true. Democrats have been in these areas for 50 plus years and they have done absolutely nothing for those communities. The communities have gotten progressively worse, not better. And in the last 50 years, and there's really nothing they can say about that because it's true. So because there's nothing that they can say about that, the only thing that they can do is viciously attack, you know, and kind of use Donald Trump's uh, method, you know, against conservatives, right? Because they don't want to hear a sound argument or a sound judgment. They just want to pander and they just want to make people feel good by, you know, being able to empathize with them by, you know, keeping hot sauce in their bag or, you know, bringing on Cardi B, you know, or playing Despacito, you know, for an opening of a speech. So Latinos can, can understand and feel that you're down, you know, with them. And, and in that sense, also, that's very racist as well. And that's very inconsiderate to their whole message in general. Because if their whole message in general is that we should give more of a platform to Black people who have a powerful Black voice, you know, and an intelligent Black voice, you know, why are you consistently shutting them down? And particularly, like you said, equating them directly with Trump, because that's so far away from who Kim Klesik actually is herself. Well, you know, it's because they cannot challenge her and her own policy. So right. the whole point is they have to find a way to discredit her. They have to find a way to bring her down. And unfortunately, they keep naming Donald Trump, but Donald Trump is actually good in a sense if you look at the policies that he put forward. You know who was praising Opportunity Zone that Donald Trump passed? You know who, who was saying that or, you know, they want to add more money to Opportunity Zone for the Black community. Who was that? Take a wild guess. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I know Kim Klasek has. No. From the Democratic Party. Oh, from the vice Democratic Party. The vice, the, the vice President, Joe Biden, um, VP pick in Wisconsin. Oh, wow. You understand? So these mm -hmm. are things that the Democrats wanted to pass and they never pass it. And the reason that they never pass Opportunity Zone is because the big banks did not want them to pass it. And somehow mm -hmm. Donald Trump was able to pass it. Now she's talking about, you know, she's going to improve an Opportunity Zone so there will be more money in the budget. <laughs> so you see the hypocrisy with, with this whole thing? Donald Trump is like, um, you know, uh, what's his name in Scarface? You know, this is the guy 
you know, you, you, you want, you, you understand? Um, so you could point your finger. So this saying, this is the bad guy. Is, Donald Trump is the perfect person for the Democratic Party for them to point their fingers at him saying that he's the problem, he's the problem. But at the same time, the problem is bringing solution to the table and you guys are not saying nothing about those solutions and other people are seeing it. So now you look like the phony. Yeah. And that all circles back to, you know, this, you know, power, right? And and this whole big bargaining trip. Um, because, you know, Democrats really want to have leadership. They really want to have control. Um, they want to be able to give the best deals to their big business donors or big corporate donors. So because of that, they really, you know, will use anything and everything to get a competitive edge, even pushing this, you know, fake racism thing that we're talking about today in, in, in our podcast. But you, you know, hmm? now go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's just like it's it's absolutely ridiculous because it's like racism to to really have them believe that racism still exists and it's still like you know not to say that is to have them believe that racism still exists because we all know that racism still exists you know there are no people who aren't racist but what I am saying is for people to think that racism is is so so much more of a bigger problem than it really is and is that you know that is what will bring people together in in this common fight like this as we've talked about in other segments or other episodes rather you know there has to be this good versus evil battle and people want to feel like they're actually mm -hmm. playing a role and you know cutting out racism of their time you know and doing all these heroic things from behind their phones on a twitter screen you know, and, you know, or, or reposting some woke post or making an outburst on a clearly very qualified candidate who has very good points like Kim Classic by way of this joy lady on The View. And there, there's this black woman, I forgot her name, but she, she came out of jail. She already wrote her book. She's in Georgia. She's running for Congress in Georgia. Um, she's very intelligent too. She have a lot of good plan that um, she wants to roll out for the black community, but because she's a conservative, every time they interview her, they cannot, you know, challenge her and her policies and what she wants to bring forward. They keep labeling your president is this, your president is that. She was like, damn, are you guys ever gonna ask me anything about what I wanna do? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and you know she was she was that you know you guys called me to interview me based on my policy what I want to do and all you guys are saying your president is this your president is because they don't have an argument to defend themselves against these strong black women that are conservative because at the end of the day you're gonna have to look at the records at the end of the day you're going to have to do your research. You're going to have to go back to history. And history shows you the whole time these places was being run by the Democratic Party, they have been failing. So now they come with a solution. In order for you to knock their solution, you have to have hard proof on your side. And they don't have that. 
So because they don't have that, they try to, you know, attach Donald Trump to all of them. But they're all intelligent. They do such good job answering those questions. Um, you know, they're not going to win. It's not because they don't have um, uh, the policy to win. It's because they don't have big money behind them. Well, and that's the really unfortunate part about it because it's, you know, and I was just speaking about this earlier today, you know, when I was in one of my business meetings for like a organization that we're doing um, for gay conservatives, you know, and it's just, you know, the Democrats are extremely great at fundraising and organizing. They have so much money and so much organization. A prime example of this is everything that's going on with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, because, you know, after and after her passing, she rests in peace. Um, you know, after her passing, they literally almost overnight had massive events. Like they've had like they're having a huge protest of don't um, replace um, RBG before, you know, the next president is elected kind of thing. And they got 600,000 plus people on Facebook to join this event and, and come out and support these events. You know, they have millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars just flooding the markets you know, all over the place to, you know, put money towards campaign dollars. You know, it's never really an issue fundraising when you're a Democrat and you're going alongside the status quo. It's never really that much of an issue. But on the Republican side, it always seems to be an issue. Um, and people are always clinging for money. And there are great candidates that are running with great policies, but they really can't get their messages out. Um, because the lack of funding and because the reality of the situation is, is that you have to raise the funds in order to get your message up. And if you can't raise the funds, you won't get your message up. Well, and it's really sad. Well, you have to remember too, um, most of the celebrities, most of Hollywood is with them. That's why it's so easy for them to raise the money. Plus they have the 1% with them. So, you know, it's not like, you know, if you look at Hillary Clinton, all the money that she raised, you know, to beat Donald Trump and look what happened, you know, at the end of the day. Well, and that's an important thing to realize, too. I'm sorry mm -hmm. to interject there, but you really brought up a really good point, um, because a lot of times we do think a lot about the money. Um, but in reality, we saw how much Hillary Clinton raised versus Donald Trump, and she still lost. Yes. So clearly there is something else we can tap on um, to really get us there. But my basic point is, is that, you know, just to even get yourself on the ballot, you need to have a standard amount of money raised, and that becomes a, a roadblock for a lot of people with very good ideas. They, 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 they do that to... They, they do that to people even in their own party. If you look at the young, yeah, of course, you know, conservative. I mean, the young or progressive that's trying to run and take seats away from the old ones. That's they do exactly the same thing. But what the what 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 most of those young um, politicians have, they have the truth. One way or the other, 
people may not want to go out there to say I'm going to um, vote Republican because they're afraid of losing their job or they're afraid of being attacked. They, most people are going to keep their peace. They're not going to say nothing. But when it comes election time, they're going to speak out by voting. And that's how Hillary lost to, um, to um, Donald Trump. A lot of people didn't like Hillary, but they wasn't going to say nothing about it. Because if you say something about it, chances they might be attacked. So they keep their silence. So when it comes to election, they go, they go and vote. You look at the whole situation with this judge. Now there's this whole campaign going, oh, we have to um, uh, honor her wish. Her wish is not the law. What about Dr. Kinsrich? What about uh, Malcolm X? All these people had big dreams and they had a, uh, the dying wish was for black men to be free, to have equal opportunity. They didn't fight for those dreams. So now this judge passed, unfortunately, a few months before election, you cannot replace the judge. And the reason that they gave doesn't make any sense because it doesn't match what the law says about when one of those judge passes. So again, it's showing that you have an agenda. It's not about right or wrong. It's not about the people of the country. It's not about you know the voters. It's not about the president. It's not about the situation. It's about your agenda, what you want. And if you don't have it, you're gonna have a fit. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And it's just a bunch of, as we see with the entire racism, you know, debacle. Again, we have ourselves in another, you know, kind of scenario where it's hypocrisy one on one, you know, and it's just there's just uneducated argument after uneducated argument under after unjustifiable argument after unjustifiable argument or contradictory argument after contradictory argument after another, you know, and it's just like, you know, what are you going to, you know, when are you going to wake up and realize, or when are people going to wake up and realize that, you know, people, you know, these politicians and these leaders that we have today really do not have the best interest and they will try their very best to manipulate us in any possible way that they can um, to get a ruse out of us and to keep us perpetuating their shitty system that just does not work for the majority of average everyday Americans. You you, want to see how childish they are? which is one of my biggest problems with them. Most of the argument is about emotional. It's not about right or wrong. They're saying yeah. that if he replaced the judge, they're going to open the cut and add more judges. Like, really? Really? This is what, this is what your argument? It's like you're dealing with a child, a spoiled little brat. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's what we see a lot in politics. You know, they, they may do it in a more eloquent way, you know, where they may voice their opinions in a very articulate way. But in the ending, the ending of the day, it's essentially just, you know, a child's argument, mm -hmm. you know, on both sides. And it's very unfortunate because they're supposed to be, you know, 
leaders and role models of our of our entire nation. And you know, it's funny because um, what's his name was in the Senate floor talking. Um, he 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 read a quote from her saying that you know, um, even if the president have one day left out of the four years, he is still the president until the four years is up. So whatever decision that the president makes goes. And, <laughs> and you know, uh, and he, he said that in the Senate floor to um, knock down the Democratic argument saying that, you know, the president have two more months left. He should not be, you know, uh, replacing her. And he was like, she didn't believe what you guys were saying. She never believed in it. This is what she believed. So, well, the president has like four more months. So, <laughs> yeah. so and if you look at the whole situation, you going into a, a difficult, a crazy time happens to be your election coming up. Do you really want to leave that seat for? Uh, four judges in one side, four judges in the others. Do you want really want to leave the seat like that, going to an ele election like this, knowing that it might have to end up in the Supreme Court? Yeah, you bring up a really good point. If you got four and four, you know. <laughs> and, and and I just want to take take it back for a quick sec and just like let us think about you know what we're saying right now. The Supreme Court is supposed to be a nonpartisan organization. Hmm. You know, it's supposed to be a, a non-port, not organization, but a nonpartisan branch of government. Hmm. You know, they're supposed to be the the stewards of checks and balances, and really ensure that the both the executive and the legislative are on the right track. So, the fact that we are even now saying that we have to be worried about having a scenario where it's four and four, like people constantly bring this up. Like they constantly bring up political ideology when it comes to the Supreme court justices. And yes, you may have someone being in someone maybe more liberal or someone maybe more conservative, but what in the hell does that have to do with actually passing judgments? Hmm. We're supposed to be looking at the law. You know what I'm saying? Well, looking at the law and their job is to define does the law, you know, does what the, this person is, is what this person doing violate anything that's in this document, <laughs> you know, and if it does not say something in this document, then they should then, you know, be like, okay, well, it doesn't cause any constitutional issues. There shouldn't be an issue where we're saying, oh, let's get some liberal Supreme Court justices or let's get some conservative Supreme Court justices. They're supposed to be impartial. That's the and we're not supposed to know what their political affiliation is, oh. even first of all. Thank you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's that, just ridiculous. That defeats the whole purpose of being a judge. You yeah. know, <laughs> you're not supposed to have your own personal leanings. And as far as like, I'm concerned, you're supposed to look at the law. <laughs> you know, and as far as I'm concerned. They're not supposed to be celebrity status. They're not supposed to be interviewing or giving interviews like that. 
You understand? These are the judge that makes final decision. The fact that people are fighting to put a judge in the bench, that's dangerous. Nobody wins here because now we know there's agenda behind it. Why the Republicans wants to do it and now we know why the Democrats wants to do it. It's not about the law because now we know for some people the law doesn't exist. The law is wrong. It's about agenda. Absolutely. And, you know, this theater, you know, they're, they're just outwardly, you know, clearly expressing that they don't give a fuck, you know, about, you know, what the statutes say. It's really just about what are their ideological leanings, but, you know, and it's just like, you know, if I'm more conservative, I'm going to vote, you know, I'm going to say that, you know, I'm going to define this as in a conservative way. If I'm more liberal, then I'm going to define this in a more liberal way. <laughs> and that makes absolutely no sense. That makes <laughs> no sense. It really legitimately should just be, you know, <laughs> let's look at the law. Let's look at the Constitution. What does the Constitution say? If it does not say something, then that means that the American people, if they want to have this change, need to get together and add an amendment to the Constitution where it clearly defines what this is. You see it? And it can't be the Supreme Court justices doing it. You see? You know, it needs to be the entirety of, you know, the American people and all the states confirming in that this is what they want to do. You see the two things, right? Number one, we know the law and the constitution does not matter in this point right now, because if it did, the Democrats would have argument to why Donald Trump should wait until after election to select a judge. If you listen clearly to the argument, it's not argument that based in the constitution, it's argument that based in their feelings of hope a dying wish. We're going to replace the Constitution for her dying wish. We should honor her dying wish. Number two, the reason that these people want to um, put judges in the bench is because when it comes to dealing with tough issues in the House and in the Senate, they do not want to disappoint their voters by voting certain ways and they let the things go to the Supreme Court. So now my hand is clean. I didn't do nothing. I didn't say nothing. It was the Supreme Court that did it. So therefore, my hand is clean. They're not doing their job in the Senate and in the House. They want the Supreme Court to make decisions on certain things that they're supposed to be making the decision on and they're supposed to vote on so the voters could see the people that they vote in those positions, they're really not doing their job. So that's why they're fighting, you know, to put judges up there because they want the final decision to go to the Supreme Court. And if they have the majority in the Supreme Court, nine out of 10, they're gonna get it their ways. And that's, you know, it's sad that, you know, 
we're going through this. It's sad that, you know, there's even a discussion. I, I don't even think they had, you know, um, um, give her, well, I don't even think she's buried yet. Yeah. You know, I, I don't even think, you know, they, 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 um, you know, um, honor her for all her hard work yet. And yet we're fighting over her seat. That's, that's disgusting. That's, that's the, we have no respect for her. Anyone that tell, no respect. They try to make it seem like they have respect for her, but if they really truly have respect for her, then they would say, we're not going to make this political. We are going to bury her in peace, honor her legacy. And then after we have this time to, to, to put that behind us, you know, we'll go forward and do what we have to do. Exactly. That's what a normal person will do. That's mm. what, that's what a, um, uh, a same government will do. You know, they will honor one of theirs. They will respect the life of all the hard work she had put forth, you know, but instead, that's what they're coming with. And then who was by her bedside when she made that last wish? How come I haven't heard that person's name yet? I suppose a family member? Well, what's the family member agenda? Like, mm -hmm. this, this argument is childish. It's pointless. It's, and this is one of the problems that I have with the Democrats. You know, it's too emotional. The emotion is too involved in decision-making. They're not looking at the big picture. They're not looking at the facts. They're not looking at their history. It's how I feel. It's not about how you feel. It's not about how you're going to feel about it. It's all about me. We're dealing with, you know, what you call spoiled brat. And people that think they are prince and princesses. That's what we're dealing with. Things have to go their ways and their ways only. The problem with most people that's looking at this, the argument doesn't make any sense and the argument that they're bringing forth doesn't match the law. So how can you even have the nerve to stand and you bring in people to these people's houses of, um, in their neighborhood to attack them in their home? How is it politician is sending group of people at other politicians' house to attack them? This is dangerous. This is not supposed to happen. We cannot promote stuff like that and saying that, you know, uh, we care for one another. You sending our young brothers and sisters out there to get themselves in trouble and get themselves hurt and get themselves locked up for hurting someone for your agenda. And in the end, you even forget if we exist. Something gets to change. I understand we don't, we don't always have to agree and stuff, but you, you don't send a mob of people in front of someone else's door to attack them. That don't make sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. 
um, well, what you're saying, you know, we have to hash things out in a, in an appropriate discourse, you know, and it's, you know, you can say, you know, whatever you want to say about Donald Trump, you know, and the way he speaks, things like that, you know, but he's not out there, you know, going and mobbing someone's house, you know, or doing any of these things that, you know, would cause physical harm to these people, you know, that disagree with him, you know, but, you know, liberals are really calling for that kind of mentality where they're just busting down the doors and just create, kind of creating this anarchy, um, winner take all kind of scenario. Um, and that's just not the way that, you know, it's just not the way that we do it. And even when I have this type of argument like this, and I say these kind of points, you know, the response that you get back is, well, you know, let's think about Tulsa and Rosewood and all these other places, you know, and all those times, you know, where white people burned down villages, you know, they burned and, you know, pillaged different cities, you know, of these African-American communities as well. So this is us getting our chance to now do that today, you know, and really fight back against this, what we consider oppression. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so it wasn't right when white people did that to black communities in that time. And it is not okay today. Like, it's still not okay. But so, you know, the answer is not for you to do the same thing that someone else, so another stupid thing that someone else stupidly did before, because mm -hmm. you're just creating, recreating the same stupid thing and repeating history, which no one should want to do. And one thing you should tell them too, what was the um, circumstances after these things happened? Government had to be tough on those white people. They had to arrest them and prosecute them and put them in jail. Because in the end of the day, some things have to happen. They cannot just let the country get burned down. Yeah, I mean, that's literally the job of, yeah. of, of, of government and law enforcement. It's literally their job to their defend job. the country. <laughs> like, I mean, if they do nothing else, you know, at the very least, so security so is their, you know, is their one of their main apparatus, you know? Sooner <laughs> or later, government's going to have to step in. Regardless if it's Joe Biden or whoever, government will have to step in. And my, my take on this to um, the low-income community like myself, do not allow yourself to get used by people. If you say you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, go do some research to find out why you're a Democrat, why you choose to be a, a Republican. Do not just become something because that's what your whole family is. It doesn't make any sense. We are being used and we are young, strong, and intelligent enough to do our own researches so we could find out what's really going on and we could find out who's in the right side and who's not. Because in the end of the day, you have to pick up the pieces of your life. When everything is set and done, after November 3rd, you're going to have to pick up the pieces of your life. All this job loss, you're going to have to go there and find one because guess what? 
government ain't gonna come and give you one. Oh, thank you for going out there for riding for me. Here's 150 million. Oh, here's a good job. They're not going to do that for you. They only care about their own. So people need to wake up. Our communities need to wake up. They need to stop acting foolish and let people use them and fight for something that makes sense. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I agree with you a thousand percent because it's something that's so really important. And, you know, I think there are so many great things that we can be fighting for collectively, but we kind of let this racism and, you know, liberal, um, conservative kind of tussle and fight, never ending fight, you know, constantly divide us and take us away from all those things that we really could be working on and really striving together in, in a very good way. And I get it. People want to have a purpose. They want to feel like they're doing something meaningful for life. But, you know, at the ending of the day, what's more meaningful than being able to actually set aside differences and come together to actually accomplish something? You know, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that feeling to physically say, I've gone out and accomplished something very significant, you know? And I think these are the kind of things that we need to focus on, not these kind of racist tropes that everybody is, is pulling out there in identity politics. You see, the sad thing with all this is, if, if Joe Biden takes office, you're not going to hear a peep about racism or stomach racism. It's going to disappear like it never happened. You're not going to yeah. hear nothing about it. We need to wake up. We really do need to wake up. And like you say, come to the table and have a discussion and talk. Like, you know, we're not in high school. We're not in junior high school. We are growing people. This, this, this childish behavior, it's not, it's not right. We're not setting up a good example. We're not raising up any balls for our future generation. If anything, we lower the ball now. Oh, yeah. The bar has been so far dropped. I mean, oh, my goodness. The the ripple effects from these these lowering of standards on all fronts is just going to be miraculous for the next generation, <laughs> you know, and it's just like we, we have to we have to make a formalized plan. We have to get organized and we have to really get out there and make it happen. Wow. Um you know, there's a lot that's been kind of degraded during this time because, you know, there's just been so much polarization and so much division um, in our nation. But it, we can very much get back on track um, and do the right thing. So, you know, while we have like about another, you know, 30, 40 seconds here, you know, I just wanted you to kind of sum up what, you know, in your sense, what do you feel we need to do to kind of get rid of this racism situation that's going on? Like if you were to pick one specific thing um, that you would attack first in real life, how, what would you attack? Um, honestly, it will be uh, focusing in the um, 
younger generation and education. Um, in order for you to get rid of racism, you have to re-educate um, the people in our community to make them understand, you know, what is racism. It's not, um, it's not what it's looking like out there right now. Um, you know, you have to be responsible yourself. You cannot call racism and then you don't want out there doing the things that look like racism. So, you know, um, I would say I, I would bring it back to education. I would bring it, you know, um, have, you know, community group uh, meetings to see, you know, how people are thinking, what they're saying and how they're saying it, uh, you know, what's hurting them. I have roundtable discussion with the community and then come up with solution to help them deal with those problems so they could deal with those kind of things um, better. Mm -hmm. Got it. Perfect. And, and for me, I would just simply say, you know, let's, you know, cut all of the things that divide us and let's start talking about the things that we can actually connect on, you know, things that we all share, aspirations that we all have for our country. Um, that makes sense for everyone. And if we can focus a little bit more on those things and thinking less about what we, you know, don't like, then I think it will be a really good start for us. But that is our episode, our wonderful, uh, fun fact pilled um, episode. Um, I, of course, as always, would like to thank everyone for tuning in again to the New Black Nation podcast. Um, we can be reached on social media um, oh. by putting in our full names, Gregory Victorin or Brandon Wang. Um, and you can also email us, as always, um, at our personal email accounts for MBN. Um, and that's gvictorin at mbnusa.com and bwang at mbnusa.com. Please feel free to send us a message. We love to hear from you guys. Um, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of our podcast. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great day.